Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. First Psalm, Psalms 31, and I want to begin reading there with verse 9, and I'll read down through 16, and then pick up with verse 21 through the end, verse 24, but we'll begin reading in verse 9. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eyes is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among all mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors, and a fear to mine acquaintances. They that did see me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mine. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me. They devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servants. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou hast heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. O Lord, O O love the Lord, all ye his saints. For the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All ye that hope in the Lord. I want to direct your attention to that 15th verse. There's so many verses here that are rich in meaning, but I want to uh, preach what I feel on my heart this morning. And uh, I'm going to be taking from that first phrase in verse 15. My times are in thy hand. My times are are in thy hand. I, I want to preach that this morning. My times are in thy hand. Let's pray the Lord's anointing his blessing upon the remainder of this time that we share together today. Let's pray that the Lord would bless and help someone here. We need his strength. We need his guidance. We need his direction. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so very much this precious opportunity that we have to be in your presence, to feel 
your glory in this house. I thank you, God, for everything we've felt up until this point. Thankful for the anointing and the power and the presence of God that has made itself so readily available to us in this house. I pray, God, that you would continue to move, you continue to touch lives, you would stir the souls of individuals that are gathered here under the sound of my voice. Help us, oh God, to enter in, God, to that place where you can really speak to us as you desire to. In Jesus' name we pray. And could you give praise to the Lord? Come on, let's really give some praise unto him. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I give honor to you, Savior. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. Just a short few months ago, uh, my mother and father were visiting us before uh, they transitioned to move to Hawaii. And uh, while they were here, they, they brought with them a storage container, and they dropped it off. And it had uh, pictures, yearbooks, and all kinds of memorabilia from over the years in our family. And, of course, they wouldn't have uh, storage or place to store it. And so they, they left it with me. And as I opened that storage container and I began to look through it and look through the pictures and the different albums that were in it, I was struck as I began to look back a few years over our family's history. I was struck at just how fast, and I know that you can relate to this, just how fast time moves. Seconds give way to minutes. Minutes give way to hours. Hours give way to days. Days give way to weeks. Weeks give way to months. Months give way to years. Years give way to decades and so on. And that is the nature of time. And someone asked, what is time? Well, time is a creation of God's. And the Bible says he created the light and he called it day. And he created the darkness and he called it night. And as day and night revolve, time begins to take its course. Now we live in a world, uh, a fallen world, Man, we are men and women of a fallen nature, uh, which causes uh, this thing that we don't like to talk about, and that is death. Death is going to come if the Lord should tarry for all of us. And uh, time uh, causes this old earthly temple to perish and to die. And uh, it's the corrupt nature of man that causes us to give way to aging and to old age. And as we live, we begin to see our body as it shows the signs and the effects of aging. And this is a process that none of us can escape. There's nothing that we can really do about it. There is no fountain of youth that we can drink from that will stop the process. There are no secret potions that will stop the process. Uh, vitamins, they, they may help a little bit, but they're not going to stop the aging process overall. In Romans chapter number 7 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, Who shall deliver me from this, or from the body of this death? 
those aches and pains that you experience in your body, they are small reminders that this body is not invincible. Uh, the sickness and the fatigue that you feel by time is a little reminder that this body is only temporary. It's not going to last forever. The Bible says it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 and verse 5. It says, man goeth to his long home. In other words, eternity is where all of us are headed. And that is where we're going to spend, and I know it's not really considered time as we know it, but that's how we understand it. That's where we're going to spend the most, the most of time is in eternity. We live in a fallen world and we contend with a fallen nature. But time marches on. Time just continues. It, it waits for no one. Even as we sit here today in this beautiful sanctuary, life is moving Time is moving forward. Newspapers, they, they try to capture certain moments, uh, current events that take place, and they call themselves the Times. We have the New York Times. We have the Washington Times. We have the Los Angeles Times. We even have the Shreveport Times. Charles Dickens opened up his epic novel, Tale of Two Cities, uh, with this famous line, he said, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. When we tell a fairy tale to our children, what do we say? We say, once upon a time. We try to recall a certain memory, and we say, do you remember the time when? Not, uh, not just a time, but the time, not to be confused with another time or period in our life because we understand that life is filled with moments and some of them are, are to be remembered. Some of them are more significant than others. There's notable moments and there's specific times and there's memories that we cherish. Uh, there's times of opportunity. There's times of joy. There's also times of grief and sorrow. There's times of blessing and there's also times of trial. There are times of celebration. There's times of uh, being happy. And I'm thankful for those times and cherish those times. But there's also times of crying and weeping. And this is really what the wise man that the Bible uh, titles as the preacher talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 and verse 1, uh, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And what is that saying? That we need to understand, we need to get a revelation of this because it's true in so many aspects of our lives. It's true in vegetation. It's true in agriculture. It's true in economics. It's true in business ventures. It's true in just about every area of our life. And then he goes on in verse 2 and says something that 
may seem like on its face is so basic and fundamental and all of us have got a grasp on, but do we realize the significance of it? It says it's a, there is a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to be born and a time to die. And it's what we do in that interval. It's what we do in that space between. It's what we do with that dash, as one man called it, between the date of our birth and the date of our passing from this life. That is what is most important. And he goes on and begins to explain different things, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a lot of times we focus on those times. We center our attention on those times. We, we get so involved and that's the only time that we can focus on or think about is the time of weeping or the time of mourning. But he also concludes that verse by saying, And a time to dance. In other words, there's a time to look up and there's a time to focus on the good things. There's a time to celebrate. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to put your hands together. There's a time to leap for joy. There's a time to celebrate in the presence of the Lord. And I begin to think about that as it pertains to you and I. As we are in this building this morning, sure all of us, if we, if we wanted to, we could focus on a few spare moments in our life of grief and of heartache and painful times. But I choose to look at the goodness of God and the blessings of God and celebrate and dance and worship and praise the Lord for all of His blessings in my life. All of the good things that He has done for me. Is there anybody that can agree with me this morning that God has been mighty good to you? That God has blessed you? If you have health in your body, you've got a reason to dance as the writer said. If you are here and you got breath, amen, then you've got a right to praise the Lord. Amen. If you're in this building today and you know what it is to be provided for and God has taken care of you and He's kept you, if there ever trial, He's caused you to triumph and overcome, then you've got all the reason that you need this morning to worship and to give praise and adoration unto God. Oh, we think about and we, we can hail back to times in our lives when we've had to mourn and times when weeping has came to our eyes. But I'm thankful that it does not just stay that way. I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us in that place. But I'm thankful that I can tell you today there's been a whole lot more times of dancing. There's been a whole lot more times of celebration. There's been a whole lot more times of goodness and blessing in my life. There's there's been a whole lot more of the goodness of God than there has been the badness of life. Oh, come on, if you believe that God is a God that keeps His people and blesses His people, you ought to give Him a wave offering of praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. And He continues on through this. And He talks about there is a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. 
It's a time to, to, to build things and bring things together and assemble. And then there's a time to embrace. And there's a time to refrain from embracing. You ever hug somebody and you got through hugging before they was done hugging? Well, you know what he was talking about. It's a time to refrain from embracing. And uh, especially with the coronavirus going around, right? And, and so uh, he, he's talking about these different extremes. And, and really, in, in a sense, that's the way life is. I don't want to become too philosophical here this morning. But in a sense, that the way, that's the way life is. We, we have winter and we have summer. We have fall and we have spring. And uh, we, that's, that's its intervals. It, it would be awful boring if it was just all the same all the time. But you, you have to learn the ebb and flow of life. You have to, uh, to learn how to, to rise and, 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 and how to descend with the tide. And, and, and a ship that, that goes somewhere is a ship that uh, the captain understands and knows the tides and the currents and when it's going to be uh, a period when he can make the most progress and in times when he just has to stay on course. And, and sometimes that's the way it is, living for God. You just have times when you're, you're, you're endeavoring to stay on course and not lose your way and staying, uh, uh, keeping the, the mask of the ship set in the right direction and knowing that the storm is going to pass over. I'm just going to stay with it. I'm going to stay on course as it were. I'm going to continue to do the things that I know is right in the meantime. I'm not going to allow this thing to take me down into the depths of the sea and destroy me. I'm not going to become a statistic. I'm not going to fall out. But I'm going to continue and I'm going to go on and I'm going to reach my desired destination. Someday I'm going to reach the harbor. And for you and I, that's heaven. Someday we're going to see Jesus. Someday he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. Someday that body that is racked with pain will no pain no more. Someday the Bible says that mental anguish is going to, you're going to have your final deliverance. You're going to overcome that now and forever. Praise God. I'm so thankful that I could preach to somebody that there is hope. you got to keep your sails set. you got to stay determined. you got to stay on course. You have to understand that, that these, these ebbs and flows of life, these ups and downs, as we like to say, of life, these hills and valleys of life, these intervals of life, uh, this, this how life revolves. And there's night and there's day and there's seasons and there's months and there's years and there's different things and there's different processes that we have to deal with and that we go through. At the end of the day, I understand that my times is in thy hands. I'm not an accident. I'm not here by coincidence. But my times is in his hands. Amen. It's amazing. He said a time, a time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Time to rent and a time to sow. A time to keep silent. Oh Lord, help me to move on. And a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. 
Somebody said, is that in the Bible? That is in the Bible. The Bible talks about us eschewing or hating evil. A time of war and a time of peace. And, and some people get stuck in one area. They get stuck in one frame of mind. They think, and, and they read a portion of this, and they think, well, that's, you know, there it is. That's permission to, to act like I act or to have the life that I have or to have the attitude that I possess. There it is. I've got to, no, no, it's a balance that you understand between the two. We don't live in either extreme, but we live somewhere in the middle of all of this. And, and we have to deal with these two extremes in our life. Amen. And so we walk in, in those times. It's amazing how that uh, in the same room, possibly sitting on the same pew, uh, one can be in a good season, in a good period of their life, and another can be going through a difficult season or a difficult time in their life. And so we have to be cognizant of that. We have to understand that. And aren't you thankful that God... Uh, yeah, he understands and he knows and he's able to minister in a service to every need when the Holy Ghost is really free to work like it desires and wants to work in our lives and it can touch in each and every need and situation and life and, and over here somebody can get their blessing and pray through by weeping and another can over here be dancing and shouting in the presence of the Lord and it's a magnificent thing, a marvelous thing to, to witness how God can move in different aspects and at different season. Aren't you thankful that there's not just a particular season that God can minister in? There's not just a particular time that God can minister in your life. But, but you can receive what you need from Him at various seasons of your life. He's never going to fail you. All of your times are in His hands. That's right. A couple of weeks ago, it finally let up raining a little bit, and I got in my car, and I was driving down Interstate 30, and uh, I was thinking, man, it was morning, and I was thinking, man, what a beautiful, beautiful, sunny uh, day, which was welcomed after uh, many days of raining, and uh, man, not, not a cloud in the sky, everything's so beautiful, and the sun is shining, the birds are chirping, a little breeze blowing, and and this, man, this is a great day. I was actually thinking those very thoughts when I began to receive a text and then a call about a, a friend whose son had been tragically killed that morning in a car accident. And I thought to myself later as I began to ponder just how I had, I was looking around at my surroundings and thinking about how great the day was and the sun was shining and Boy, the, the birds are chirping, and it's joyful, and it's celebratory, and it's awesome. And, and somebody is going through the darkest period of their life during that particular time. When I was thinking about the sun shining, and of course I didn't know about this accident that had taken place until some time after it had happened, but they knew, and they were in the midst while I was 
I was breathing in the fresh air and thinking about what a great day lie in store. They were suffering the worst blows of their life. I'm going to tell you, it might be bright and sun shining in your life, or you may be in complete darkness. But I'm going to tell you, neither, neither situation is something that you have to hang your hat on and think as though this is always going to be just like this because that's simply not the truth. It doesn't matter whether the sun is shining or it's completely dark. It doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad or you're high or you're low. One thing you can rest assured of is that your times is in His hands. In other words, He's on the throne and God is in control and God knows where I'm at. I may be here, but I'm not alone. I may be walking in this place, but I'm not by myself. He's not deserted me. I'm not, I'm not here in this situation. Amen. As though I'm out here on an island and I'm having to do this all by myself. Oh, no. But my time is in His hands. And then as an extra little reminder to us, the Lord said in John chapter 10 and verse 28, He said, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And I know that that scripture has been misconstrued to mean something else. I know that there's a lot of people that believed in the once saved, always saved doctrine that try to take that one scripture and build an entire doctrine on it, a false doctrine that, that you could, you know, right there it is, you can't ever backslide as long as you come and confess the Lord as your personal Savior. It doesn't matter what you do from that point on, you're saved, even if you're on a bar stool. When, when the Lord comes back, you're all right. Well, I don't believe that, and I don't believe that's biblical at all, and I don't have time this morning to get on, into all of that, but I think anybody that's sane and logical believes that 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 is a false doctrine. But at the same time, for the child of God that is endeavoring to live for God and desirous of serving God and is doing their best in living every day and striving every day to please the Lord, they don't have to wonder. They don't have to doubt whether God has forgotten them. They don't have to think, well, maybe, maybe the, the devil has more control. The enemy has more control. And life itself has more control. The elements have more control than God does. I'm going to tell you that's simply not the truth. You're in the hand of the Lord. And the Bible said His hand is so big that it measures the waters of the world in the palm of His hand. Oh, I'm going to tell you right there in the palm of God's hand. And man, no matter how much they struggle, no matter how many enemies that you've got against you, they can't pluck you out of the hand of the Lord. Praise God. And so... Our text, to give a little background here, this is when David, it's believed to be when David, Absalom has rebelled against him. He's having to leave an exile from the city of Jerusalem that he founded. And he's at a very dark period of his life. And he says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Get the imagery here, what he's trying to say, the word picture. He is a great God. He's a powerful God. He's high and above it all. But God, you're able to condescend to me, and you're able to hear me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong walk, for I or for a house of defense 
to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me. They, they've secretly laid a trap. They, they put leaves over it in my path, and I couldn't see it. It was camouflaged. It was disguised, but I stepped right into it. But God, I know that I'm in your hand more than I'm in any trap or any pitfall that the enemy has tried to place in my path. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And then in verse 9 he says, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye has consumed, is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing and my strength faileth because of mine iniquities. And my bones are consumed. Notice he's saying here, I've got a lot of trouble in my life and I can't say that I'm innocent. I can't say that I haven't had part in causing this trouble. It's because of my iniquities. It's because of some poor choices that I made, God. I, I understand that I've caused some of this trouble in my life. I, I'm reaping from areas in life that I've planted in. I, I know all of that, but God, I also understand that I'm better to trust in your mercy. I also understand that you, God, are God that is gracious and you're kind and you're long-suffering and your anger doesn't endure forever. Oh, but God, you're a God that loves us and a God that wants to save us. And though my iniquity has brought this to pass, I believe that you're still in control of the outcome. And if I'll stay faithful to you, my life is in your hands and you're going to guide me and navigate my life through this trouble that I'm in. Let us come to remind somebody here today, you may have made some bad choices and bad decisions and, and what you've experienced and things that are going on in your life may be the result of some of those choices. And just because a person comes to God doesn't mean that all of a sudden that, that, that everything that has been done can all of a sudden be unraveled in a moment. But if you can trust God and believe God and, and walk with God, sooner or later, my friend, you're going to come out victorious. Sooner or later, you're going you're gonna to reap the rewards of a conqueror. Sooner or later things are going to change and the time is going to shift and you're going to feel a different season that you're going to walk into and what used to be a season uh, 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 it seemed like uh, dryness and a season of dearth uh, is going to turn into a season of reaping. It's going to turn into a season of bringing sheaves here. It's going to turn into a season of rejoicing. Somebody needs to believe that here this morning. Somebody needs to respond to it today. My times are in his hand. He said in verse 12, I have forgotten as a dead man out of mind. They put me in the grave. They put the chunks of dirt on top of me. And, and when they walked away, it's like they've forgotten all about me. I, I'm an ancient memory to them. They don't even remember me at all. They've moved on. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard their slander of many. Fear was on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I 
trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God, and my time, my times are in thy hands. You notice he put poor on that. It's not just good times, it's not just up times, it's not just high times, but you gotta believe that God has all your times in his hands. That ought to make somebody want to shout. I may be in the middle of it right now, but my times are in His hands. I may be struggling right now, but God knows exactly where I'm at. He's got my address. He knows it can pinpoint my place on the map. He knows where I'm at. My times are in His hands. My times are in His hands. David... David, he understood something about this. If you look all the way back in chapter number 8, before Psalms 31, look all the way back to the 8th Psalm, you'll find there was a time there that he was rejoicing. It hadn't always been like this. Hadn't always felt like a forgotten dead man. But he says and tells us in verse 8, O Lord, our Lord, How excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. When I consider the heavens and the work of thy fingers, and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. In other words, you put them in place. You put them in their specific place. This thing couldn't operate if you hadn't put them there and hadn't ordained it with all the intricacy that you did. And he said, what is man? When I consider everything out there in the, in the space, in the galaxies, in the universe, uh, when I consider everything there is in all, all the preciseness uh, of science, uh, when I consider all those things, I say, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I want to tell you right there that man is God's most important creation. Amen. As, as, as beautiful as the stars are and as beautiful as other parts of his creation are, as beautiful as some aspects of the animal kingdom is, and as beautiful as some of the aspects of nature is, and landscape and environment, all of those things, I'm going to tell you God's attention is not so much on all of that, but the Bible says that he's mindful of what's going on right here in this room this morning. He's worried and concerned about what's taking place right here in this room this morning. What is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? Amen. He doesn't visit the stars. He doesn't visit the sun and the moon. He doesn't visit, uh, amen, the animal kingdom. But he walks in this room this morning and he came here with a visitation in mind. Amen. That I'm going to get to see the man and the woman that I created for my purpose. I want to visit and commune with them. Good days, good times. That's what he's talking about there in Psalm 8. Amen. What is man? Man, this is so glorious. How excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set the glory above the heavens. But then he gets down here to Psalms 31. And he said, I feel forgotten as a dead man. But I'm going to tell you, that's not it, David. That's not the end of the story. Keep your cell set. Keep your mind made up. Keep your focus on heaven. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep walking with God. 
Oh, you may not be running right now, but you're still walking in the same direction. And so in Psalms 100, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your lands. Oh, there's going to be some Psalm 100 days. Oh, there's going to be some Psalm 8 days. I understand that. But there, if I hang on, there's going to be some Psalm 100 days in my life where I'm going to get to say again, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is God. I can still testify that He's in control, that He's on the throne, that He's got my times in His hand. I walk through the Psalm 31 period of my life and I come out rejoicing saying make a joyful noise unto the Lord you may be living in Psalms 31 but hold on Psalms 100 is coming for you you'll just be faithful Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 verse 11 says I returned and I saw under the sun that means everything living under the sun that the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise nor yet riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill. doesn't matter how educated, talented, all the advantages that a person has, but time and, notice that, chance happeneth to them all. Everyone, we're, we're talking about the world now. We're not talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about everything under the sun. It says everything under the sun, sinner and saint, rich, poor, skilled, unskilled, talented, untalented. Time happeneth. Chance happeneth. Yeah, that is true for the wise man in his day. But when you talk about a child of God that is filled with the Spirit of God, my time is in his hand. But I don't believe that anything in a child of God's life is chance. I don't believe there's accident. That may be for the child of the world. That may be for those that live outside the kingdom of God. I know you can't stop time. I know you can't change time. I didn't say time. I said chance. Nothing is left up to chance for a child of God, for a spirit-filled child of God. Nothing is just by chance because my time is in his hand. He's directing. He's guiding. He's orchestrating my life. You can be confident that there's a purpose to all of this. It isn't just random what you're facing, what you're going through. It's not just just by chance or happenstance. My time is in His hands. So if you're in a time of trouble right now, you know it has an expiration date on it. If you're a child of God and you've got problems right now, you know there must be a purpose. I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to celebrate again. I'm going to worship again. God's going to show me through this that He is in control. God is going to reveal to me something powerful through all of this. I'm going to see His power displayed. God is going to reveal to me how great that He really is. Time is in his hands. You say, preacher, I, I don't see it. I don't understand. I cannot possibly comprehend it. I don't get it. In a courtroom, and I'm winding up. In a courtroom, an attorney, yeah, he comes and he has to convince the jurors. 
And the way that he does this is he introduces evidence. And so he comes and he introduces documented evidence. And he talks about the nuances of the law. He brings and submits, and you, you hear this a lot, especially in, in Senate trials and government trials. Can, can this be submitted for the record? And this document, and does that mean that everybody looks and reads every word of that document? They can if they will, but most of the time they don't. But that document is submitted to the record. And then he highlights a certain portion of that that he wants to accentuate and that he wants to bring uh, into relevance and evidence that he wants to point out. And, 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 you know, sometimes that's very effective, uh, the documented evidence. And then, then he, you know, to go a little further with it, sometimes he, he may create uh, from the documented evidence, he may go a little further and he may create circumstantial type evidence and build the story and the narrative and try to insert possible motives in all of this and try to talk about it from that standpoint. But still, there may be jurors that are on the fence. They're, they remain unconvinced. They're, they're not totally, totally persuaded at this particular moment. And so he goes a step further and he brings another form of evidence into the courtroom and and per, perhaps this and many times is the most effective form of evidence and that is uh, that he brings eyewitness accounts and he, he 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 leads that witness to tell the eyewitness account of what happened and if there's a juror that is unconvinced if there's a juror that is halting between two opinions if there's a juror that is on the fence if there's a juror that is undecided and unpersuaded this is often the very thing that clears up the confusion in their mind it influences the verdict more than perhaps anything else uh, is that there was an eyewitness account uh, well I've been laying out through the word of God some documented evidence uh, I've been preaching here this morning and what I've said is truth uh, that God is in control that God uh, amen your time uh, is in his hand uh, but perhaps there's some eyewitness accounts uh, in this room this morning of people that know him to be a healer, that know him to be a deliverer, that know him to be a saver, that know him to be a God that performs miracles. You Nobody has to tell you. You don't have to read it somewhere else. You don't have to listen to somebody else. Amen. But you know it for yourself. You've got an eyewitness account that God is powerful enough, that God is able enough, that God has the ability to do what I need him to do. That he still answers prayers. That he still works in people's lives. He still changes. He still revolutionizes. He still can make this thing to be totally different than the way that it started. Eyewitness accounts. We have them in the Word of God. Psalms 37 and 25. David said, I have, I have been young and now I am old. Yet let me tell you what I've seen. He said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. I've got an eyewitness account that God's a provider. I am an eyewitness account that God answers prayer. I am an eyewitness account that you can count on him. I'm an eyewitness account. Amen. That you could stand on his word. I could tell you I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for prayer. 
bread. That's what I know. That's what I'm convinced of. And I want to preach it to somebody that's in this room. You need to reach out and grab a hold of it with faith. You need to engage in what God is doing right here through His Word. Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet in 6 and 1 said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple when it seemed like the darkest day. Amen. Suddenly I looked up, and I saw the Lord, and He was sitting upon His throne, and His train, His power, in other words, it filled the entire temple, and it reminded me all over again, man's not in control, but God is in control. Man cannot pluck me out of God's hand. But God has me in His hands. Why don't you stand with me right now? Let's worship the Lord together. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 14 that he was caught up into the third heaven. Now somebody said, man, what in the world is he talking about their third heaven? Well, in creation, the Bible talks about the heavens and the windows of heaven being opened at Noah's flood. So that's the elements, the, the weather out here, the heavens. When you look up in the sky, that's the heavens that's being referred to there. And then the second heaven is referred to in the scripture as being the space and that that surrounds the earth. But when he talks about the third heaven, he described it. He said that was paradise. He said it right there in that verse. He said, paradise. And he said, that's what I'm referring to. I'm talking about heaven, the heaven that all of us are striving to go to. And he said, while I was caught up in that state, a lot of theologians believe this is when he was stoned and he was left for dead. He was unconscious and a lot of people had dusted their hands off and said that's the end of the Apostle Paul. And at that moment his darkest perhaps the Bible says that he made this statement. And I heard unspeakable words. God began to re reveal to me things that I can't even feel to write about. I couldn't even begin to describe it. I'm going to tell you, you say why am I having to go through this and face this and why is it that God has taken me through this trial? I'll tell you why because God wants to reveal a part of himself to you that cannot be revealed in any other way. And I'm going to tell you, when it's all said and done, you're going to understand him. You're going to know him. You're going to see him. You're going to hear things from him that you couldn't in any other situation. I'm going to tell you, he said, I heard things. I heard things that I can't even write down at this moment. I heard things. I've got a, an account. I've got a witness account of what happened. I know because what I heard that I was caught up into a place in God that I never experienced before. I was in his hands. Somebody said, I still, I'm still, I'm still wavering. I, I don't know. Well, this is what I'm praying for. Second Kings chapter number six. Bible tells us. The prophet Elisha with his servant was down there and the Syrians had totally surrounded them. You know, the Syrian king was wondering how in the world does it seem like that every time we get ready to put a sneak attack on the enemy, they know exactly and they're ready for us. And there was a servant that came in and said, I can tell you what the answer to that question is. He said, they've got a prophet in Israel. 
and the very words that you say in your bedchamber with your door closed and you think nobody's hearing, when you whisper to yourself as you stand uh, to wash your face off in the morning before your mirror and, and bathroom sink and you whisper to yourself some plans that you have for the day, that prophet in Israel, he's got such a connection with God that God takes the very things you're saying and relays it on to him. Just a reminder that my times are he's in control. It's in his hand. Whoever wins and whoever loses is in his hands. Amen. That's why I want to be connected with him. That's why I want to be standing with him. That's why I want to be, in other words, on the winning side. He said, go down there and surround this tent down there. I know where he's at. They went down there and a great army of hosts was around about him. And the, uh, the servant gets up earlier than the prophet, goes out, swings back the tent flap, looks out there, and he says, oh, my God. And his knees begin to smoke one another. And he's afraid for his life. And notice what he says to the prophet, what shall we do? What are we going to do, in other words? He, he didn't know what he was going to do. He was so, so confused as to what to do. He said, what are we going to do? And the prophet didn't even flinch. The prophet didn't, he didn't perspire one little ounce. He wasn't worried about it in the least. He just grabbed a hold of that man, took him in, in his hand and began to pray. And he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. I want him to see what I already see. I want him to understand what I already understand. And that is our time is in your hand. That you're in control. And when he looked up this time, he didn't just see the armies of the Syrians, but he looked beyond that and he's seen the mighty host that well outnumbered the Syrian army that was standing behind them the angelic host that God had brought on the scene and he was reminded that everything is going to be alright everything is going to be okay you know what God needs to do to somebody in this room today you need your eyes to be open spiritually you've been looking through carnal eyes you've been looking through physical eyes you've been looking at things one way but God wants you to see it from heaven's point of view. God wants your eyes to be open spiritually. That's why the Apostle Paul said this statement. He said, in essence, he said, open the eyes of my heart. We sing about it. Open the eyes of my heart. What was he speaking of? He said, it's, it's not some science fiction type thing he's talking about. No. He's talking about help these carnal scales to fall off of my eyes and help me to see with eyes of faith. Help me to see the eye through eyes that you want me to see with. Help me to get a view. Come on, some of you got focused on your situation. Some of you got focused on the army of the Syrians. Some of you got focused on your troubles. Some of you, all you could talk about is your problems. All you can complain about is your troubles and your situations of life. I'm going to tell you, you got to get eyes that can see above that and around that and see the angels that are with you. Oh, the Bible tells me that the angels of the Lord encamp about them that 
fear him. Is there any God-fearing, faithful folks in this house that said, God, I respect your word and live by your promises. And I know that my time is in your hands. You're in control. you got this. Amen. No matter what it looks like, how the odds may be stacked against me, what the doctor says, what the finances look like, you're in control. My time is in your hands. Why don't you lift up your hands with me right now? And let's talk to the Lord together. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Yes, I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this house. So when you have this understanding, you can do what Jehoshaphat did with Moses. You can say, I don't know how it's going to turn out necessarily, but I can release I can release my son on the river knowing that he's in God's hands. When you understand this like you're supposed to understand it, then you can know, amen, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how God's going to do it. I know you say there's giants in the land and there's walled cities and there's pestilence and wild beasts, but if God told us we could do it, let's go because because he'll go before us. My time is in his hands. Somebody needs that understanding. Somebody needs that revelation. Somebody needs to get a hold of that faith. Somebody needs that faith imparted to their heart this, this morning. So I wonder if there's somebody. There's somebody. Come on, do we have some eyewitness accounts? Do we have some folks? Amen. Why don't you come and, and, and make your way down these aisles if you know God can do it and if you've seen God do it. I want you to come and maybe there's somebody that's lingering. Maybe there's somebody that's on the fence. Maybe there's somebody that still remains unconvinced. But by your coming and by you stepping out and saying it's true, I believe it. I know it. I, I, I've seen it. I've heard it. I'm aware of it. I've been a witness to it. God could do just what the preacher's been preaching here this morning. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. I want you to step out where you are and come down to this front. Hallelujah. I want you to raise your hands to the Lord. I want you to cry out to Him. I want somebody to pray, God, open my eyes that I might see. Help me, oh God, to see with eyes of faith. Help me to see, God, and understand that you're in control. Help me to see, God, and understand that nothing catches you off guard. Oh, that you're not confused. You're not in trouble. Amen. But you, God, knows. You know you got a plan in all of this. You, you got this taken care of. You're watching over my life. Come on, cry out to in church. Cry out to in church. Cry out to in church. As they begin to sing, I want you to cry out to God. I want you to call on Him. I want you to reach towards Him. I want you to seek Him right now. If you need a healing, pray. If you need a visitation from God, pray. If you need encouragement, pray. If you need strength, pray. If you need help, cry. 